With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM Sports has all your favorite wagering options. You can go in-game with the betting or get some boosted odds specials and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the Strip. Bring your state-issued ID and you're ready to bet anywhere here in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology. Fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM. Dot com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older. And if you do have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. Michael Lombardi, of course, this is the Lombardi Line. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. So we're going to get into your top five offensive coordinators. We'll juxtapose your list with your favorite PFF here in a second. But I thought it might be a good place. You know, we could almost do this daily, Michael, where we give a daily market update on Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. So let me yeah. set up Deshaun and then you can run with it. Talks between the NFL and NFLPA fell apart. They tried to discuss a negotiated suspension for Watson. So NFL is going to propose a suspension. Here's how it's going to go down. The case will then go to arbitration. Roger Goodell will have the final say over an appeal on either side. Correct. So Watson, yeah. let's start with your take on where it stands right now. Well, I think what they want to be able to do is kind of, get to an agreement and not go through all the all the ups and downs the suspension because l- let's face it what happens is if he decides that he's, he doesn't agree then no suspension takes place and if they take this to uh, a court of law or arbitration against the collective bargaining agreement they can get an injunction against the suspension so what i think goodell is attempting to do is avoid all the legalities that could become a mess for him and an embarrassment for the league because if he's still playing and earning his salary and meanwhile they can't suspend him now it's written in the CBA Goodell has all the authority however that being said that you could still challenge that I mean you know courts of law will take cases so I think that's what the motivation is behind that and I think what, what Goodell would like to do is avoid the mess tidy this bow up put a knot on it and say that's it. Now, I don't know what the offer was. You know, for me, I, I got to think, you know, eight games seems light. You know, eight games seems light. You know, 
does a year seem right? I, I don't know what seems right. I really don't. I don't know what seems right. I know that if it's not substantial, Goodell's going to be under a lot of pressure. And here's what we do know. They can't be too soft because Major League Baseball set the precedent with Trevor Bauer where no criminal charges were filed and two full seasons as far as the suspension. It's going to look bad if they don't go at least one with Deshaun Watson. That would be my assumption, Michael. I don't have any information, obviously. I, I don't either. And, and, and one sounds... I don't know if it sounds right. I think that's the wrong word. But it, 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 to me, what is right, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I, the, for the victims, I don't know. And I think you have to – your hearts play out to that. So certainly you think of that. Yeah. But I, I, I get the sense that this is not something that is going to be approved by everybody and it's going to take some negotiations because both sides are going to have to because there is the looming threat. Now, you could say, well, the collective bargaining agreement gives Goodell the authority. Yes, it does. However, that could be challenged. Well, speaking of the Browns, Baker, as we get the market update on him, still on the roster. He's guaranteed $18.8 million. It appears the Browns are willing to eat at least, I don't know, $9, $10 million of that. Um, they'd they like are. to do something. I think that's the right number. Is that fair? They'd like to do something by the start think, of training camp, I'm wanna, sure. Right. I think they want to eat about nine and a half, and I think the, the, certainly the Panthers will play five and a half, and I think there's a three to four million dollar gap. Who's paying that, right? The Browns don't want to pay any more. The compensation is not very much. They've agreed on that. So, okay, so we've got – I think Baker wants to play in Carolina, so that's agreed gotcha. on. The trade has been agreed on. Okay, that's fine. But now you got to work out the contract. There's, the, As we've said, there's always three elements in a deal. That contract has got a gap in it. Now, who's going to close the gap? Is that why we learned that maybe they're turning to Seattle? Will Seattle be willing to turn that, close that gap? Because if, if, if Seattle wanted the deal, okay, the deal's in place. There's a deal in place, okay? So if you're John Snyder and you really want to get into this, all it's going to take is one phone call to the Browns. I'll do the same deal the Panthers are offering you, and I'll do – you pay the money, and I'll pay the rest. Deal's over. It's over. Done. But that hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. So because it hasn't happened, it makes me a little concerned about how serious Seattle is in this. Because if Seattle was as serious as those tweets indicated – then one phone call could get this deal done. John Schneider calls Andrew Berry up and says, Andrew, look, I'll take the $8 million, you pay the ten. We got. I'll do the Carolina deal. I'll send you the paperwork. We got a deal. Done. It's over. Is there a dark horse team outside of Carolina and Seattle? No, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think it's really about Carolina. How are they going to f- fund that $3 million? Will they? Will they do it? Will they, will they do a million and a half? Will Baker take it in incentives? I mean, the real issue here is Baker is at a crossroads of his career. And here we're sitting at the end of June, and he doesn't know what team he's going to play for. So he's almost like a rookie. He's going to have to go to a new team, learn a new offense, and try to get some chemistry with some new players. And at a most pivotal time in his career. Yeah, we, we, we know he'll be on State Farm's team. You know what I'm saying? No, I, that's Progressive's team, Patrick. Oh, my bad. I got my insurance got company mixed up, bro. That's it, it on me. Happen. It happens, it happens, it happens to, the best to everybody. Us. It happens to the I best mean, of us. You know, I mean, we can confuse Flo and, you know, Jamie and all that. We get them all messed hey, up. Hey, shout you know? the farmers. Who never... just, farmers just paid for my windshield the other day, so I got to give them props. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the guy in Farmers is great. He's a great actor, too. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, okay, I Michael. Like so, so it, it looks he wants to go to Carolina. It should be interesting. But by the way, the fascinating uh, part is, isn't Darnold making the same amount on his fifth-year option? So that'd be... I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's, I mean, Carolina's sitting there saying, look, you know, we're the only game in town. Who are you going? And Jimmy, Gar- and that that's that's the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo, which is, should be a daily conversation as well. Where's Jimmy going? I mean, San Francisco's carrying this twenty-four million. They know they have to pay Debo, right? They have to pay Bosa. That money is coming from the twenty-four million with Garoppolo. They've got to give. They got to do that. So where are they going to put Garoppolo? Now they could waive Garoppolo injured, injury designation, failed physical at the end of the season. They could certainly do that, but that puts them out there, and they don't get any compensation. And most of the teams in the league, at least if I were a GM in the league, I'm thinking that's probably your only play because nobody wants to pay. Nobody's going to take over Jimmy's salary at $24 million. Now, the 49ers could cut him and save $25 mil, but they'd prefer trade him, correct? They're trying to hold on to an asset, which they can't seem to get. They haven't been able to get an asset. Usually, you know, there's a there's a deadline that plays into effect. Like I think Carolina needs to put a deadline on Seattle and say, hey, I mean, on Cleveland, on Baker, and all those, and say, either we're in or we're out. That's it, right? But I I think ultimately, if you're if you're San Francisco, you know, you drafted Brock Purdy in the seventh round. You got you signed Nate Sudfeld as a free agent. You know, you got 24 million. You got to give Debo his money. And you're going to have to give Nick Bosa his money. So at some point it is going to be. And you can't carry a guy at $24 million to be the backup. You also can't have Jimmy on the team because once Trey Lance doesn't play well, the team's going to want Jimmy to go in there. My assumption is the deadline. Most, most teams are going to open up camp, what, right around July 20th. So the Baker deal has to get done over the next few weeks here. I think there. I would say by the end of the Fourth of July weekend, if Baker's not if not done in Carolina by then, I think then that's problematic for. Then I think it's then he doesn't have a market at all. Okay, sounds good. I mean, th- that's the one thing about all this stuff is there has to be a deadline. You know, you know, it's like the great. I don't know what who what writer said this, but he said, "I don't need more time. I need a deadline. Everybody needs a deadline." I think that was Dr. Seuss. I'm just, I'm trying to. Th- yeah, I'm going it through. Could have been. I mean, you get you some never wisdom know. out of Dr. Seuss. You never know, Michael. Okay, we're going to transition here. You always talk about the importance for the betters to understand who's calling plays, both offense, defense, and special teams. So what we're going to do? Yeah. We'll stick with offense today. Then tomorrow we'll go defense and special teams here on the Lombardi line. Uh, so we're going to juxtapose your list with PFF's list. You always have fun with PFF, mm-hmm. and here is a list of PFF's. Best offensive play callers. We'll go ahead and throw this up. They've got Reed one, Kellen Moore two. Interesting. Uh, Byron Leftwich three, Shanahan four, McVeigh five, and Matt Lafleur six. You want to start with yeah. a reaction, and then we'll get to your list. Well, look, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I, I mean, there's a difference between being a good play caller and play and calling plays to win the game. Okay, there's difference between that. And there's also difference between being able to adjust the problems and fix some problems. I mean, Sean McVay, to me, he does that. Andy Reid does that. How Josh McDaniels isn't on this list as Patriot fans that are listening to this show, you'd have to know. I mean, one of the best play callers in all of football, you know, and he called plays. He put Brady in the situation to do that. So for me, I don't understand that. I don't understand the list. To me, it's really about how are we calling this specific game to win the game. 
and what calls do we have in the red zone and what calls do we have that are going to make us win the game in a way to where we have to do it when we have to throw it and they know we have to throw it and we have to run it when we know we have to run it. Play calling is three-dimensional. It's not just the play. I find Kellen Moore has a hard time getting the ball to his best players. I mean, do I think his offense at times looks good when it goes well? Beginning of the season, it went great. End of the year, it didn't go so well. Did he make an adjustment in the San Francisco game? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I don't think he has an adjustment. I think he's a growing young coach. I don't think he's anywhere near where he needs to be as a play caller. And I think, you know, when you watch their offense down there, I think it shows up. I think he understands it. He's calling. It's battleship football. Let me try this. Let me work on that. You know, K5, miss, G3, hit. Okay, let me try G4. That's not play calling. That's battleship. That's battleship. Right. You're guess you're kind of maneuvering around. I think they're gonna do this, let's do that. You know, left which to me, you know, when Brady gets the line, it's Brady running the line. Right? Brady's running the team. You know, you say, well, he was doing that with Josh McDaniels. Not so fast. He wasn't. He was relying on Josh for a lot. Okay, we're gonna come back with Michael's list. Important to understand this as well, the best offensive play callers. By the way, you see the Patriots? Tom Brady replied to it as well. The Patriots are bringing back those iconic red unis for select games yeah, this I love year. It. Those are, I mean, that's 85 yeah. Super Bowl style, right? Those, those were the best. I love those. We'll come back with Michael's best offensive play callers next here on the Lombardi line. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's summer 19. What does that mean? Now, through July 31st, you get everything we offer. For 19 bucks, become a smarter, more sophisticated better. You get point spread weekly, which is worth the 19 bucks itself. But then we do the work for you. Adam Burke with the baseball plays, Sunshine McNeil with the hockey plays. You get Major League Baseball, all the golf, 
USFL. It's all there. VEASAN.com slash summer for $19. Check it out now. VEASAN.com slash summer. As we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line, we've got Thomas Gable joining us in about 12 minutes, Michael. And he's he's fired up. He's going to lay he's going to lay yeah. out that NBA scenario with Paulo Bancaro. <laughs> he is I mean he, I think he took a bath there at the Borgata. So, you know, it well, it, it highlights you know that some well, books had more options and we just had Carl they didn't have a plethora of options and and it appears that Thomas did. You know and I, and I think it also highlights the fact that the when you're betting the draft, you're betting really you're not betting an opinion. You're betting information. When you're betting the games, you're betting an opinion. You know, whether the opinion comes from somebody who's handicapped the game, who's been in the league. I mean, we know this about sports betting. If you're 60% accurate on picking games, you're really good. So that's 40% you're going to be wrong. So we know that, you know, opinions are wrong. In this, this, there was no margin for error, and I think that's what has Thomas so upset, but I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Okay, you often talk about the importance of the coordinators. Uh, quarterbacks, coordinators yeah. is kind of where you start. Head coach is obviously the overseer, but we'll go ahead and throw up your list of best offensive play callers. We'll start with five, and why don't you give us an asset or a trait that you like about these play callers? We'll start with Frank Reich there at five. Well, I think Frank Wright, being a former quarterback, he's also a tough guy. And I think he understands how to get the ball to the people he needs to get the ball to. And I think he, he also will play complementary football to the team. You know, last year his defense was only on the field for 27 minutes, even though they were 1,041 plays in the game. Which, and the offense of the Colts only had 1,062 plays. And they were on the field for 32 minutes. So Reich does a nice job of balancing, gets the ball to Taylor. He's good at making adjustments. And he doesn't get bored easily, which I think are traits that are really good for a coordinator. So I, I like what he's been able to do. Kyle Shanahan, to me, when, when he's got it going and, and he's able to run the football and use his play action and play from in front, where he doesn't have to get into a drop-back pass game, I think he's really good. Plus, I think he's really good at game planning. And then adjusting. Remember, football is about three elements, right? The first quarter is strictly about assessing what's happening in the game. If you're the play caller, you're assessing what the defense is trying to do to you based on prior games, based on prior matchups. And then the second and the third quarter are really about the adjustments to that assessment. How do we adjust? What do we do? What's the adjustment to the adjustment? And then the fourth quarter becomes a standalone game. How do we win this game? And I think Kyle does a really nice job, especially in the adjustment phase. That's what I have a problem with. To me, I have a real hard problem with Kellen Moore. I don't feel like he makes adjustments that end up having him better in the fourth quarter than he was in the first quarter. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, ah, not so good. And then Sean McVay, to me, he, Sean McVay didn't make PFF's top 10 head coaches. Shocking. How is that possible? The guy does a great job. I think he's changed what he does offensively around his skill set. The fact that he's able to get the ball 81 times on third down and convert with, 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 with Cooper Cup is remarkable. You know, Cooper Cup going into the season last year had only converted on an average of 40 first downs a year. Now last year he gets 81. That's fairly remarkable. I think Josh McDaniels is outstanding. I think, you know, anybody you talk to, any defensive coordinator you talk to doesn't like to because he's game specific. Every yeah. game's different. Every game is going to be a, a, a way to attack. And he's got adjustments to the adjustment. I have Andy Reid one. I'm not sure Andy Reid's a great play caller. I think he's a play designer. I think the one thing Andy Reid really faults himself is playing complimentary football. 
I, you know, I think he struggles in that area. He gets bailed out at times. There's no doubt because of some of the great players. I mean, when Chad Henney took off and ran for the first down against Cleveland, kind of put that game away. That was kind of uniquely that helped him tremendously, but it was kind of risky. But he's a great play designer, and he scores points in the red zone. He's able to get the ball into the red zone, and I think that's a critical component. And he'll adjust his game. He understands how to adjust. Now, most every defensive coordinator in the league will tell you, look, don't worry about Andy running the ball. He'll run it in the first quarter. He'll get bored with it by the second. He won't run it in the second half. That's been the knock on him. Fast. What you said about McDaniels, I always think about that. It seems like with every week and every game, he comes with a new wrinkle. Like you said, game right. specific. He always seems to have something that's not just rote from what he had done before. And as betters, we have to be game specific. And I think this is a missing element in anyone's handicapping because the coordinators against one another matter. Right. The history of the coordinators matter against them. When Kyle Shanahan plays against Bill Belichick, it's a really good matchup because they're both adjust. They both go back and study all the prior games and they both kind of have a way to balance one another out and they kind of go after it. And that's the matchup within the matchup. We don't spend enough time in that. I think when you have to get ready for a game, you've got to research the coordinator against the other coordinator. Some guys have a hard time against certain coordinators in the league. It just shows up. And they do. I mean, look, Brady had a hard time against Dennis Allen last year. He's had a hard time against Dennis Allen. Even when he scores points, it's hard. You know, because Dennis Allen does a good job of disguising what he's doing. He doesn't give Brady a chance to really understand what he wants to get into. And Brady's got to snap the ball without knowing what he was doing. That's hard. And that's why Allen is a good play caller defensively. So, to me, that, that's the challenge. I throw that list back up, Michael Lombardi's best offensive play callers. Who, who does the most with the least? Meaning throughout their careers, who, who would you say if you just gave uh, the same amount of talent to those five, who, who would you get the most out of? Well, I think, you know, all these guys can get caught. Frank Wright hasn't been able to really develop the quarterback like the other four have, right? I mean, you know, McDaniels has developed quarterbacks in his career. Uh, he's, you know, Andy Reid has gone from Do Donovan McNabb. He's got Patrick Mahomes. He made Alex Smith a really good player. Sean, you know, got as much as you get out of Jared Goff, and now he's got a better player in Stafford, which has helped him. So, to me, I think you look at that, and I think that's the key component to being a great offensive play caller. Are you developing the quarterback? Are you developing the system around the quarterback? You know, what are we doing? You know, to me, I think most fans don't realize there's only maybe one or two quarterbacks that can run any offense. It's got to be specific. This is why, go back to Baker, this is why it's so Baker taking so long. Baker's got to get to a new team, and they've got to modify what they're doing around what Baker does well. And until you work together, until you get your fingers into the dough, you really don't know. It becomes a problem for you. So that's why all, the longer Baker takes before he gets somewhere, it becomes problematic for him to have the great season, you know, and he needs that great season to get a contract extension. Whose offense is set up? It just made me think of that. Whose offense right now is set up for Baker to flourish? Would it be Carolina or Seattle? Well, Shane Waldron kind of runs the McVay offense, right? So they hired Shane Waldron up in Seattle because that's what Russell Wilson wanted. He wanted to run the Rams offense, which is West Coast by nature. Okay, it's West Coast terminology, but it's a, more boots and more nakeds, you know, outside zone run game. I don't know if Seattle wants to do all that, but that's what Baker Flores is in. More play action, hard play action, a strong run game. 
I think in Carolina he would find the same thing. Now, it would be done out of board of 11 personnel, but with McCaffrey in the backfield, I think that certainly would help him. He's going to need, Baker's going to need somebody in the flat somebody in the short range that he can throw the ball to that can break a tackle and make yards. That will make Baker more successful because Baker's not always going to see down the field. I think by far and away my favorite fact about Andy Reid, who you have as your best offensive play caller, is when you think of Andy Reid, you think, like, where is he from? You'd immediately say, like, Cleveland or Michigan, right? He's from Los Angeles. Like, literally from Los Feliz, which is right there next to Dodger Stadium. He's born and raised Los Angeles, Andy Reid. You know, but Andy's a guy that understands that the passing game is how you score points, right? But I think what Andy has always kind of missed, and he's won a lot of games and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, is that sometimes you got to be complimentary to what you do in the play calling. And that's why play calling isn't just being in your basement in Des Moines calling it like you're on Madden. I mean, you've got to be able to play. You know, we're going to reduce the clock. We've got to take risks. It's all got to be tied together. It can't be independent of one another. Yeah, but you sleep in college with the 12-pack against my boys with Madden. <laughs> I was a wizard. I mean, I was McDaniels, sure Reed, and McVay mixed I mean, all together. They couldn't hold your jock in, in Madden. I'm sure you were down there dazzling the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they were degenerates in their own right, so I probably took advantage of them, but it's facts. All right, so there it is. Reich 5, Shanahan 5. I mean, that's a – think about that list. That's about as good as it gets. McVay 3. Uh, McVay's been to two Super Bowls. He's like 12. As a head coach, yeah. McDaniel's I mean, two, Reed look, look, one. Look, and you know, look what one of the Super Bowls McVeigh got to is he didn't adjust. He didn't adjust. I mean, from the very first play, Belichick said, "You know, when you're not run the ball outside, you, we're gonna we're gonna close that off. We're gonna take away your your digs and inside pass game. Now, what's your answer?" And it took him a long time. And what makes McVeigh so good is he learned from it. He said, "That's never happening to me again." I mean, you have to go through that. You have to go through that, and you have to understand how to get through that, how to make those adjustments. I mean, what Josh McDaniels did in that game specifically, Wade was Wade was Wade was featuring his defense against the back, so he went into thir- he went into big personnel and got Adam in the ball. McVeigh should be on the list just for inviting the Hard Knocks guys over, so he could take a shirt off and jump in the pool. I mean, that was it <laughs> was McVeigh at his finest. Uh, Thomas Gable next. It's going to be sad. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM, the king of sportsbook, unleashed the spirit of Vegas with BetMGM rewards. So this is cool. Every time you make a bet at BetMGM, you get bonus points, the loyalty program. So you can redeem those points for online bonuses or convert them into comps at MGM Resorts nationwide. It's a great loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks over at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Got to be 21 years or older. 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Okay, we got you back here. Michael Lombardi there. I'm Patrick Maher here. We're going to head out to the Borgata and talk to our buddy Thomas Gable. I don't know who had a worst Thursday night, Woj or Thomas Gable. And when I was receiving, Michael, the t- the text messages from TG on draft night, all I could picture in my head was Mike Tyson scrambling, looking for that mouth guard and trying to put it back in his mouth when Buster Douglas knocked him out. Because that's what happened, Thomas. Have you recovered yet? Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, it wasn't uh, overall from a financial perspective. It wasn't the end of the world by any means. I mean, it's uh, the the NBA draft is not going to make or break your day just because of the 
the limits that you offer on it. But yeah, it wasn't. We lost on the draft, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't a wasn't a good result for us. But uh, you know, if you want a a good uh, overall picture of everything that happened with uh, the betting markets on that, uh, certainly check out Ben Fox's uh, article that he wrote for Veasan. There, I think he did a great job. I talked to him yesterday afternoon because uh, he wanted a little bit more color for his article, but uh, he really did a good job, kind of summarizing everything that went into the draft and uh, the betting odds and the movement. And, you know, just from our perspective here, you know, I'll kind of just run through um, what the timeline was and, and how everything played out. So you know, Monday morning, we opened up the market for the NBA draft. And, you know, a lot of places have had it up, you know, probably since May, some maybe even some since April. Uh, we opened it up on Monday morning for the first time. And at that point, yeah, uh, Jabari Smith was the was the favorite to go number one. Uh, he was a dollar sixty five favorite at that point. Um, you had Holmgren there, the second betting favorite at uh, plus one forty, and then we opened uh, Boncaro at uh, plus nine dollars. So, um, open it up. First four bets we take are, are on Boncaro. Uh, go to seven to one. We take a limit bet, and at that point, the person who bet that, I'd just say, is somebody that gets very good information, um, typically has information uh, faster uh, than than most people, a lot of times faster than the books. And uh, then you realize, okay, something's going on here, and, you know, move to five to one, typically by the really by the end of the day, Boncaro had been basically bet down about plus $2 and uh, had really moved to the second betting favorite position uh, behind Jabari Smith. Now, Patrick, I was on the show with you on Monday and Wes Reynolds, and I think we only had about 30 seconds left in the segment when you asked me about the NBA draft. You nailed and it, I though. mentioned at that point, yep. I said, Boncaro is getting hit if you're, if you're looking at this. Um, now, we didn't really have time to – expand on that but he was even sunday night you know places had him uh you know where it was plus twelve dollars or whatever the case he he was getting bet sunday night and what i'll say i think when you look at the overall people who bet boncaro i think you could put them in one of three categories i think you had the people who bet him strictly on price who looked at it and said he should not be uh, twelve to one or nine to one. This is a, a misprice. It's a, a good price. It's too good to pass up. Um, they looked at it. Hey, this is a bet. Win or lose, it's positive EV. We're. I'm going to make this bet. I think there's a lot of sharp people who who looked at it and and took Boncaro at that point, whether it was Sunday night or Monday morning. So you, you had them. Then the second category of people, which Certainly a lot less, but the influence that they have on the market is great. Uh, are people who have the information, I'll leave it at that, those are the people who have information, mm-hmm. right? They took a position on Boncaro, and certainly were ones moving the numbers. Um, and then you have the third category, which you have basically all the time, people who were just 
looking at the numbers, see that it was moving, trying to jump on it because it was moving, and get a piece, whether you want to call them you know, steam chasers or whatever you want to call them, um, those people saw that and said, hey, I, I need to jump on this. So I think most of the people who bet Boncaro could fall in one of those three categories. Uh, and then, obviously, you go to Wednesday. Wednesday, there's still uh, a lot of movement overnight on Boncaro. He becomes the betting favorite. And then we all know what happened Thursday morning when uh, Woj comes out with his tweet and says, you know, it's uh, looking very good at this point that Jabari's going to go one, Holmgren two, Boncaro three, which, again, shifts um, shifts odds at that point uh, pretty dramatically. and then But then you see the slow creep again on Boncaro through the day, and obviously he ends up, uh, coming out as the number one pick. But it just goes to show you, you know, this is why, you know, there's certain books who didn't even put up the draft, and I certainly don't blame them for that. Um, you know, it shows you why. I, I saw yesterday, you know, Mr. Andrews and Mr. Maiulo are at the South Point saying, this is the last draft they're putting up. And again, when you have two gentlemen of that stature in this industry who make that statement, um, you know, you're kind of, uh, you have to question your sanity if you're going to continue to book this stuff. It's just, it's very difficult, um, you know, and I think you're going to see places become much more conservative. And listen, when you do book this stuff, it, it, you do do it conservatively. The limits are low. You don't want a ton of exposure. But when you see the volatility of the market like it played out in this draft in particular, it's just there's going to be exposure um, no matter what. Put, put your conspiracy hat on for a second, TG. Tell me, tell us how you think this happened. Do you think this came from inside Orlando to somebody? And do you think that Woj was used as a kind of a lightning rod to, to kind of deter people from continuing on the Banchero market? Uh, I have no opinion on the Woj thing. I, I, I don't know whether he was fed bad information or, you know, if he was used in any way. I, I, I have no opinion on that. I, uh, what I definitely will say, I, no matter what type of draft we're talking about, whether it's the NFL or there, it's the NBA, it, there are obviously somebody knows something. And when you are betting on a strictly information-based market, where there's no contest, there's nothing being played, uh, you know, there's going to be room for people to take advantage. There's going to be room for somebody who has that information first to get the upper hand. And I think, you know, there was certainly somebody knew something. Uh, now, I'm not saying, again, that's why I said there's – People who bet Boncaro fall in one of three buckets, so to speak. Yeah. And there were people who didn't have any information. They were betting him strictly on price. And, you know, they ended up, because it was a positive EV bet, in their opinion, and they ended up, you know, getting paid out for that. Great job to them. There were people who were just following the market, following the movement, betting him. And they ended up getting, uh, getting paid out as well. I think that second little group there that has a lot of influence, I think they probably, somebody knew something in there. Thomas, look, 
One thing I can say is you're a bookmaker, but you're a broadcaster because you just did seven and a half minutes succinctly explaining exactly what happened on draft night. And I just got to congratulate you. That was really, really well done. And we appreciate that. The, the question I have for you is the spirit of competition behind the book. You mentioned Vinny and Mr. Andrews here. They're Hall of Fame bookmakers, but they're not going yep. to place these propositions on the board anymore. Is there a spirit of competition, you know, a competitive streak in you as a bookmaker that does still want to throw up these propositions? Well, the only reason you do it in the first place is for the customer. Uh, you know you're never going to really win anything substantial on the NFL draft or the NBA draft. This is really just kind of throwing a bone to the customers because, you know, they like it. They like to bet it. Um, so in spirit of competition, I can't say that. It's really done more as a customer service type thing from our side of the counter. But again, when I say when you, when those two gentlemen say, "Hey, we're not going to book this stuff anymore," I, I think you have to pay attention to that. So it's benevolence. You put it up for, but you're just yep. such a good guy. Hey, why, can you do you you've earned it? I mean, you just did that for us. You want to stick around for one more segment? We'll get into the sports. Is that cool, Thomas? Yeah, sure. Okay. Do that. Yes, I, I hope it. I didn't Thank put you. you I know you got a book to run, but we, we 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 enjoy having you on. So Thomas Gable, director of the Race and Sports Book, there just did an awesome job laying out the draft. We'll come back with more here. Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. 
Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, ExpressBet, FirstBet wants you to get in on all the horse racing action. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000 and receive $10 instantly up to $1,000 bonus. Visit vcin.com slash horses for details. That's vcin.com slash horses. And when you do, use the bonus code Vegas1000. Michael Lombardi there. He's getting prepared for a great day. Ocean City, New Jersey is going to be beautiful. Uh, Thomas Gable, of course, runs the race and sportsbook there at the Borgata. He's getting prepared to stay inside the casino today, I would assume. Right, Thomas? <laughs> yes, I'll be here for uh, probably into the evening hours uh, tonight, but uh, all good. Well, all good. Thank I'm you glad for, Michael gets to much, enjoy the, uh, the, the beach today. Yeah. Well, how much how much this Yankees sensation how has that affected the book down there, Thomas? Uh, well, it hasn't affected us in a positive way. I'll say that. Oh, um, I know that. But the, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, with the Yankees, the Mets playing as well as they have this year, uh, it you know it's certainly never a good result for us because uh, we we take a lot of action on the on the two New York teams and. Uh, even the Phillies, you know, when they went on their their run there after firing Girardi, uh, you know, we were we were getting hit on the on the Phillies as well there. But um, you know, the Yankees are definitely a liability for us as we as we roll in. Um, you know, most days uh, you're going to need their opponent uh, from the books perspective uh, when you're looking at the uh, their daily games. But from a futures perspective, they're they're a, a decent sized liability and. And so are the New York Mets. Uh, the Mets had a lot of high expectations coming into this season, and they have uh, they've performed well. And that's with uh, Degrom, you know, not having taken the mound yet this year, and, and Scherzer being out too. So, uh, you know, the Mets are, are one of those teams that you have to say to yourself, "This is, could be scary. They could be scary come uh, postseason time." Hey, question for both of you. Michael, I'll start with you. A friend of mine texted me yesterday, took the day off from work and took the kids to Cooperstown Hall of Fame. If you've never been, it's the most quintessential small town USA. It's the it's a gorgeous town. Have you been to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? No, I have not. You know, you got to make a commitment to get there, Patrick. It's not an easy no, place to go to. And, and so you've got to really be committed. And, and I just have, you know, it's a summertime thing and it's hard to do and it's hard to get there. And it's not one of those places that's along the way that you say, hey, let's just stop at oh. Cooperstown for a day. I would love to, though. I definitely would love to see it. I, I would love to, to go around and tour all that because some of the great players who weren't on pitch counts like Bob Gibson, you know, you, you, you need to remind <laughs> some of these people how great he was. Oh, incredible. It built up right, right around this gorgeous lake. Oh, it's Thomas, have you been? It's incredible. I, yeah, I actually was fortunate to go there as, as a kid, and uh, it was it was great. I, I loved it, and uh, I actually wanted to uh, – I would have loved to have gotten there when uh, Schmidt was inducted. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get to do that, but uh, a couple of my family members were able to go to that. And uh, But, yeah, I, got, I did get there as a kid, and it's, I recommend it to anybody, anybody who's a fan base. Are we learning something here? Were you a big Mike Schmidt guy growing up? Oh, huge, huge. When okay. I was a kid, oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, did you, how did I go, gotta get you yeah, the book please. TG. I gotta get you. There's a great book. It's called prophet of the Sandlot. It's written by this, by Mark Weingartner, who actually wrote the fourth version of the Godfather. Uh, the, the Puzo family commissioned him to write Godfather four. He did. He wrote a book called prophet of the Sandlot. And it's a fabulous, a book about Tony Lucadella, the man who actually found Mike Schmidt. It's an incredible no story. It's a great story about scouting. It's a tremendous book. I'll send that to you. I'll get that. 
great book. He he needs something. He needs something to take his mind off of Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I'm sorry, Thomas. It's too easy. So last night, three two winner. Were yep. we had two pros, Wes included, on the show going over the post a total of six last night. You got a big price on the lightning if you cashed. How'd it go at the book with uh, Game Five uh, last night in Stanley Cup Final? Actually, it, it went our way. Um, early money was on the lightning. We got a lot of late uh, avalanche money. Uh, ended up being a good decision for us there. And I will say last night was the most heavily bet game of the Stanley Cup final so far here. Uh, for whatever reason, that, that had the most handle on it of any game. So uh, definitely a very good result for us last night. Uh, Avalanche, we're, we're throwing in a lot of parlays early, but then a lot of late money did come in on them. And uh, we, we ended up uh, needing the lightning. And uh, now we get to play at least one more. In this in this series, and head back to Tampa. The you know it's it's fascinating too. I don't know what's the adjusted series price there. I'm sure the ABS still favored, obviously, but what by how much is is the question? I, before you tell me, because I didn't look this morning for some reason, uh, are you still ABS? I don't know, heavy two plus two dollars somewhere in that range more. Uh, let me three dollars series price here. My guess, uh, they're dollar fifteen. Actually, they're dollar fifteen slight favorite for uh, tomorrow night's game. Pull up the series price here. Sorry to put you on the spot. My guess is three bucks. Three minus three. Yeah, somewhere around there for the series. Lightning abs, yeah, of course, coming up tomorrow yes, you night. Correct. Three dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, man. It's a tough, it's a tough go at the book right now. Although you did, you got a decision there. How about MMA tonight? I don't know a ton about the card. You're more into this. Our buddy Dave Ross does a great job here at the, at the station. What's going on with the fight tonight? Yeah, I can't say that I have uh, any, any plays on um, the card tonight either. It's, uh, you know, MMA has been uh, kind of this um, market that's just really been, surprising to me really since the legalization of sports betting and how popular it's been and it continues to grow so uh, you know ufc does a great job putting on these cards almost on a weekly basis um you know they do the monthly pay-per-view but then they'll also obviously throw in a lot of these cards on espn plus or espn and um it's really just the fact that the product is out there on a weekly basis and it's really just speaks to how the handle has grown, uh, people getting exposed to this. So uh, I, no plays for me on this particular card. I uh, have not handicapped anything, but, um, you know, it, it will be um, a decent uh, night here in terms of action with uh, the UFC going. It always is. Yeah, they had a concerted strategy during the shutdown, right, during the during pandemic. COVID, yes. And did, yeah. um, did that action carry over? Was there momentum out of COVID and the shutdown for MMA? I definitely think there was. I think there was two sports that, that benefited um, from coming back kind of first, and that was MMA and the other one was, was golf. Um, people who never bet golf before uh, got into betting golf because they were one of the first sports back. And it was just one of those things, well, okay, what, what is there to bet on? All right, uh, the PGA Tour is back. So people got into betting golf, and uh, the golf handle has, has increased as well pretty significantly since COVID. Uh, same, with, same with MMA. 
to the point now where we're actually, you know, we'll even put up some some MMA cards for like Bellator, um, you know, and lesser fight leagues occasionally. It's not just strictly the UFC, which is the major leagues of MMA. Uh, you'll have people coming in and, and asking to bet Bellator and, and some of the lower leagues too. Uh, now you have, do have to be a little bit careful in what you offer with uh, certain leagues and making sure that uh, uh, they're on the up and up and everything. But uh, yeah, MMA and golf, I think, are the two sports that coming out of COVID and the shutdown there really benefited in the in the betting markets. Okay, TG. Well, thank you for that extensive breakdown of Thursday night in the NBA draft. We needed it, and you gave Appreciate it to us. You. Appreciate you, Thomas Gable. Have a good day. Thanks, right, TG. Thank you, guys. Thank have you, a good one. Director of Race and Sportsbook there. By the way, Michael, did you see yesterday, you and I were kind of throwing out that scenario. Would the Pistons, they do have the cap room after a great Thursday night, would they go after Aiton? Early returns, mm-hmm. they're not going to. It looks like they're going to stand yeah. pat with Dern and some of the other bigs and not going to uh, pursue what, Aiton. What it kind of falls into the same kind of the one thing about the NBA draft, most of the rumors were wrong. You know, the Sixers are trading for PJ Tucker. They end up doing something that's completely different. They were giving Danny Green to somebody, and then Aiton's going to Detroit. You know, that there, I mean, there was not a lot of correct. Now, they got all the picks right because they're getting them directly from the club. But to me, it wasn't like you went into the draft. I remember the day when Peter Vesey was used to sit on the desk and it would give you every trade that they were talking about. None of them maybe happened, but they were all being talked about. So, yeah, this was a draft that was kind of interesting in terms of information being accurate. And, you know, maybe they would go after Aiton if they didn't get the big kid from Memphis, but they did. Bradley Beal stays put with the Wiz for now. That was another name that was potentially going to be moved. So, yeah, I think you're right. I, I we expected more action after that yeah. tier one. Well, after I those, did. yeah, I thought I, th- I thought there was going to be a little more action as well. Uh, but teams stood. Pa- I thought when Ivy yeah, dropped, yeah. I thought there was going to be some trades. Before we jump off, please. How about the How about the Lakers being the number two team in the betting market to get Kyrie? Let's ponder that tomorrow. Well, LeBron's LeBron's long had an infatuation with Kyrie. So if the Los Los Angeles LeBrons want him, maybe they'll go get him. No? How? You you, you know what? Tomorrow morning, we'll start the show. You're going to give me that answer. How about that? Okay, I'll work on that today. Thank you. Lombardi Line. Have a great great Saturday, Michael. Femi and Wes coming up next here. It's V-CIN. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.